Hey, it's Rochelle and Carter with the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. And perhaps this season of life, you find yourself in looking for a different occupation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe something extra, making a little extra cash. A little extra on this side. Hey, mm-hmm. I've always been good at dot, dot, dot. Maybe there's a need for that. Perhaps you're really good at cleaning the house. Most of the time, that's not your teenager. Uh, no, that's a very good point. You know, it is not uh, ever. But you were telling me this story about this guy who decided, I'm going to do this on the side. I'm going to start cleaning houses. Lewis is in his early 20s, I believe, early mid 20s. And so he does have a passion for cleaning. He just feels like it's therapy. Like yeah. he just really likes it. And so he's making some money on the side, kind of a word of mouth business, mainly okay. it's friends. Yeah. And his friend moved to a new condo and said, Would you clean my condo? He got all moved in and all that. Would you clean my condo? And so Lewis goes over there, and the friend said the key's under the map. Okay. Gets the key, goes in, starts I mean, cleaning everything. He does a good job, apparently. Um, and then uh, his friend has a couple of cats, which Lewis didn't know about. And so he's just sitting there. He's playing with the cats. He's having a good time. He's having that therapy session with the cleaning. Yeah. You know? And he gets a text from his friend. He says, hey, man, I thought you were going to come over today and clean. And Lewis texts back, I'm standing in your apartment right now playing with your cats. And um, uh, the friend texts back, I don't have cats. <laughs> Lewis has stumbled upon <laughs> the wrong address that happens to have a key under the mat. And oh, um, my we, we got to share this on the radio show we did. But what we didn't get to say is uh, Beth and I believe Tom were their names. And uh, I mean, I think Lewis left before they got home. So yeah. Tom gets there. He's like, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> Somebody broke into our house <laughs> and all they did was clean. <laughs> Best robbery Ever. It's like a, well, it's uh, not a robbery, it's burglary. A breaking and entering cleaning. Yeah. It's a B and E cleaning. That's the new slogan, the new name of I the business. I can just see this guy sitting yeah. there on the couch, petting the cat, holding the cat, petting the cat, and you don't have a cat, and just quickly putting the cat down. Just put it down and, and instantly just leave. Out, yeah, wiping the door for Prince. That way, well, he swiffered the door well, for he Prince. Swiffered the door, probably. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. We had to share that. But this is a podcast. If you're new, this is a podcast. We'll have we'll have a lot of fun. Uh, but we also talk about what we're going through spiritually and just um, you know what we've learned at church or what we've learned life mm-hmm. lessons during the week. Actually, I would like to start, if you don't mind, with. A life lesson that I really enjoyed from a friend of mine. A friend was from in from out of town, and he kind of shared a life lesson I've never thought about in this way. Okay, have you ever stepped on a Lego barefoot? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean that's that's the joke, isn't it? If you've got a three year old and they're into Legos, which by the way, that's not a good combination. I take that back. The big fat Legos is what the three year old should be into because it's like a, an age requirement. Well, that's true. That's true. But yes, we've all at some point, whether it's a Hot Wheels, yeah, yeah. or a Lego, yeah. That hurts. It's um, not my fave. He mine's not quite to Legos yet, but he's over a year old, and my friend also has he has three kids, and his are are more mobile than mine. I mean, one of his kids yeah. is like seven, you know, and he was sharing with me that as exhausting as it can be to be a parent and whether a you're you're a working parent no matter what if you're stay at home or if you're working outside of the home as well mm-hmm. and that's what that's what he does he works outside of the home he gets home it can be after an exhausting day a hard day i mean think about your work experience sure. right I mean, sometimes you find yourself in a stranger's home that you just cleaned. It can be a hard, <laughs> hard day of work. And he says he loves his kids, but there are certain times I think all of us can relate that he doesn't want to hear about Paw Patrol. He doesn't want to hear about the new Lego creation. The the same thing, the same thing, the same thing every day about toys, about you know imagination, about anything else. It can be just exhausting. But he chooses to, with all that he has, make sure to concentrate and be there and be with them in the moment Mm -hmm. of, wow, this Lego creation, that's so cool. Wait, what happened on Paw Patrol? And just be there and be genuine about it. I do love that philosophy of living in the moment. Living in the moment, but Mm -hmm. his philosophy with it is, if I'm not there now, Mm -hmm. when I do want to be, when they're 13 years old and navigating middle school, when they're 18 and thinking about career, they think about marriage, they're any time in the, the span of thinking about faith, mm-hmm. I want to be someone that they can come to. And if I show this pattern now of mm-hmm. not being there because I'm too busy or because I'm just too tired, I can't deal with it, just go play. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to set that precedent because I do want them to come with me at, to me with the big things in life. Absolutely. How can you speak into a person's relationship if you've never been there with them one minute or stretch of the time? That's true. 
I, it, that's true on any level, right? Whether they're your kids or a coworker or a friend. And we feel like we, oh, well, I've got information that you need, so I'm going to inform you. But I've I've never spent one iota of time with you in the, in the past. So yeah. naturally, you should give me all your attention and respect. Would they really listen? Yeah, yeah, no, that's a really, really good point. Making yourself available to people. And, uh, you know, Carter and I were kind of talking about this earlier. And a dear friend of ours, Actually, the first day I came to work, she was one of the first people I met. She was so encouraging. She noticed something about me and complimented me. Mm -hmm. And I remember in that moment, that conversation better than any other one that took place that day, because she took just two seconds to say something that was affirming. Yeah. Yeah. And I remembered it. And I think, well, all the times where people have said something they never thought twice about, moved on with their life, but because she laid some of the foundation, some of the groundwork with, hey, I I see something of quality in you. I'm affirming you right now. I want to encourage you in some way. I'm I may be ooh, partial to sit next to her for the, the coworker gathering or True. whatever. Uh, people are going to seek you out because you have taken just a moment of your time, whether it impacts your life or not. It may have impacted theirs. Well, small talk can seem like such a waste of time. If you're busy, if you're in a hurry, small talk can seem like such a waste of time. What are you doing this weekend? Oh, you know, just taking the kids to the lake or whatever. And you're just sitting here going, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, inside I do that. It can. And yet, when somebody thinks about you and goes, they took the time to listen. They know my kids' names. They asked. They cared. Imagine where it could lead. Absolutely. I mean, repeat the kids' names back to them. Mm Mm-hmm. Because we're all human beings and we will forget. Oh, yeah. And sometimes when you do that little memory trick, it'll help. But also now you have a point of reference next time. And you'd be like, hey, how was the fishing trip? Right, right, right. And, and even then, if it's a year later. <laughs> if it's, yeah, right. But then you have a moment where they know that you cared. And if faith comes up, I mean, that's mm-hmm. especially the main goal. If the topic of Jesus comes up, yeah. then it's like okay, this is not just a person trying to cram religion down my throat. This is a person that cares about me, and they seem to have this knowledge about the Bible. Tell me more. Sure. And it's not disingenuine. I think I listen to this. If, if I was listening to this podcast, I'd be mm. like, well, but is that a, from a genuine place then? Because now I'm, I'm using memory tricks to try to remember their kids. Did you desire to be some sort of a positive reflection of Christ? Right, right. Then yeah. I think that's the point. That's a genuine, a sincere place that you are making these attempts because you could just not care. Well, and I think people, atheists have seen it that way of the only reason that you feel like you have to be a good person is because Jesus tells you you have to or something like that. And it's like, well, not really, but that also is like the reason we're moral in the first place is because God created it, yeah. you know? And so there is like maybe a hard question in there, but just assessing your own heart and asking, I mean, that's biblical, right? Asking God to search your heart and go, well, am I trying to uplift me in some way mm. or am I truly just trying to be genuine, but also tell them the genuine truth? I mean, there is a connection to all of it. I think you could make like a, a, a circle pattern. Like, you know, you see the recycled pattern with the arrows that go in, uh-huh, in uh-huh. a circle way, right? So I, I think like, even if it starts with, well, I want to do it for lo- the Lord. And then that leads to, oh, this has blessed them in some way. Oh, they are now blessing me. Oh, now I am blessed to be a blessing to others. And it leads back to wanting to please the Lord. Isn't it all connected anyway? Yeah, that's true. And it serves God's purpose for his glory that's the point. Yeah. So you can argue yourself out of anything using the philosophy. Well, it's all self-centered. Well, Jesus says it's Christ-centered. And if you put me in the middle of it, which is the desire, the initial instinct is like, I, I want to please the Lord. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think, just keep uh, well, landing there. Well, the philosophy <laughs> class that I was in, altruism was a big topic. And altruism is a true good uh, that in fact, let me just look up the definition it because up. it is a it's it's a the question is can anything uh, be truly altru- altruistic? And altruism is the belief in or practice of disinterested and selfless concern for the well-being of others. And you, you at first at service level, it's like yeah, absolutely. If I go spend money, you know, and and get food for the homeless or if I whatever, but then. People would ask, well, did you post it to social media to brag about yourself? Mm -hmm. Oh, well, maybe. Or, no, I didn't. Well, did you do it 
to feel better about yourself. Oh, man, that's when it starts to get real tricky, right? Can anything, am I ever truly, truly selfless? And I think I think it's hard to get away from those feelings, yeah. but I think we do have an example of it, and it's it's Christ. Because that is truly altruistic, dis- disinterested and selfless concern yeah. for the well-being of others, not thinking of yourself at all. And he was thinking of the Father's will and of us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the best and maybe the only truly altruistic example. I mean, people might go, but didn't he do it out of desire and relationship for his people? See, you could ask a million questions, well, couldn't you? You could. But my question is, what makes altruism the right answer? What makes that positive? You think there should be a benefit on both sides in some regard? Why wouldn't there be? Isn't there a benefit to when I see a flower and enjoy the blossom and the fragrance of the flower? But I also know that one day is going to benefit a bee, some sort of a pollinator, and then it's going to end up on the ground and the seeds from that flower will then die Mm. in order to grow another plant. I mean, it's all connected. I don't think it has to be one way or the other. I think that is interesting because I think Jesus did this too. We get in society of whatever the topic, well, it's either this or it's this. And Jesus often presented a third way. <laughs> yeah. And you ask yourself the question of, you know, whatever philosophy, philosophy question there is, people will go, well, it's got to be this or this. And then you step back and go, sure. does it have to be either? Can it be both? Can yeah. it be neither? Christ directs us towards humility, right? And humility is being selfless, but it's not only defined by that word. You know, it's it's more than that. It. You serve others. You serve yourself when you serve others. There's, I, it, it is what it is. He wanted to establish relationship and community with his disciples. So he washed their feet right. to try to also give them an example of how to be with other people. But that was also a thing that it's like, I'm, I'm serving the purpose of God in this moment by serving you, which will later on serve you to serve others, well, which you, will serve me. You see stuff like this in Proverbs. <laughs> this the wisdom in thinking. And it, yeah. if you do, I, I can tell you a specific verse in this moment, but it, you're going to be, if you're a good natured person, treat others well, there's a likelihood that they'll receive you better. Well, reap what you sow. Right? Yeah, well, exactly. There, there's a great one. So the, I do, it's interesting because I feel like you and I have talked about altruism before, and I don't think I've ever looked at it in this light before. It's like, oh gosh. Ooh, do I have selfish motives? And I'm like, yeah, just for a moment there, I step back and listen to that definition. I'm like, what makes that the be all? Because maybe the word selfless indicates a position of like, oh, I have this incredible gifting to just, it's always about the other. Mm -hmm. And I think, yes, our life is to serve others, to pour out in order to, Lord, if in any small way, if you can be glorified through my actions, fantastic. But I would be ridiculous to think that that would not in some way benefit me because his spirit wants to fill me to overflowing yeah. in scripture. It's like you're, you're, my cup runneth over. Yeah, and that's a good point. I, I know that there, because we could name examples where um, it's clearly selfish. And I, I think I'm just going to sure. use, I'm going to use yeah. an example here. That doesn't mean that everybody that's done it because it would you'd have to know your own intention. That's right. But I'm going to name an example that hit me the wrong way. I have a friend that uh, I think especially because of one of the photos that she posted. I have a friend that I knew from college and she um, I can't remember. I think she paid for food or gave some guy money that was on the side of the road. Well, the reason I knew about it is because she posted about it. OK. And I think it was the fact that she posted a picture of the guy and then posted a caption and said, God used me today. And I was mm. able to do this and this and this and this. Yeah. And she encouraged others to do it. And that's great. Yeah. But then she also like posted a selfie of her <laughs> crying <laughs> or something. Okay. And I was just like, this is hitting me the wrong way. Okay. I feel like you could have done it without <laughs> posting it. And yeah. it would have been, you know, more, more genuine. That's just me. And I think that what, what is the intention? If it was truly to get others to get motivated, then okay, then I'll shut up. Sure. Um, sure. But, uh, but everybody has, sure. you would have to ask yourself, what is your intention? Cause we can't know that. But I think there's examples we can see of that are clearly, oh, you did this ministry because you're a millionaire now. Mm-hmm. And people have heard you talk about, I'm, this is not a specific example at all, but you're a millionaire now. And then you, people have heard you behind closed doors say that you don't even believe in God. Okay, sure. You know, I mean, there's <laughs> clearly examples that people are in it for themselves, but I think you bring up a good point. 
of is there ever an altruistic thing and should that even be the goal? I, I don't know. I think David had it right when he was, it sounds like begging almost, search me, oh God, and know my heart. Test me. Am, is, there a, is there something evil in me that I need to know about? Right. It's a right. bold prayer. Uh, if ultimately we are praying thy will be done, then we are, I think, releasing over any selfish motives and saying, ultimately, Lord, this is my desire is to be in line with whatever it is that you would have me do. Mm-hmm. Mother Teresa was one of those people that was never motivated by cameras or, you know, she, she was there doing her thing the whole time. She was loving on people yeah. in the, in the slums. And, um, I, one of the first biography books I ever read was on the life of mother Teresa. I was so impressed with her as a young person. And, and when she passed away, it was interesting because it was overshadowed by the passing away of another humanitarian, uh, princess Diana. Mm hmm. It just felt like their both of their deaths had had come so close. Yeah, they're both in '97, right? And it felt like one overshadowed the other. Princess Diana was the first to pass away, and it's. I'm not trying to take away from the fact that you know she deserved to be mourned, a great loss in Great Britain, obviously, and to the world. Mm-hmm. Mother Teresa, um, it, it's like in death, the same way she lived her life, kind of in the shadows, and it was still recognized, mm. and she has been sainted. You know, but at the same time, it's like, it was just fascinating. It was never the goal. Um, if it should happen to be a blessed to be a blessing. Yeah. I think that's always yeah. blessed to be a blessing. And if it should come back, what a, what an amazing thing. If it doesn't, then God has glory and purpose in that too. And just constantly releasing things over to him. My dad would often refer to, because uh, I love to sing in church and I've shared this before. I would sing in church and you would get some love or applause or, hey, you did a great job. And he said, it's okay to feel the warm fuzzy of that. But ultimately, please, Rochelle, remember who gives you the gift, who the, glor- the glory belongs to the Lord. So you feel the warm fuzzy of that, but pass that on up to where it belongs. It belongs to Jesus. So hopefully that's what we're doing with any love that comes our way. When we are, we feel in our heart, like we're prompted by the spirit. You need to go and help that guy. And you do. And do you feel the warm fuzzy? Absolutely. Is there a wrong with a feeling? There is if you claim it. That glory is mine because I did that. I guess I'm just going to wonder out loud. Are we claiming it if we post about it? You know, it's interesting because I I felt a little bit convicted when you were sharing that story because I remember there was a woman under a bridge and I saw her. I had no intention of helping her. I actually even struggled with, Lord, I don't want to go. Mm-hmm. I do not want to have to turn around. But she wasn't begging. There was no sign. She was just there with a grocery cart. And I saw a dog. And it just stood out to me. And I thought, oh, it's so cold. So I stopped at a place. And I got her something. And I gave it to her. And she had these blue eyes. I just remember that. And so in that moment, uh, of course, we do our radio show. And I thought, I'm gonna put the, I am going to put this on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I kind of went back and forth. Rochelle, is this for your glory or for God's? And I honestly, I hope that it was for the latter. I hope it was for God's glory. Because I, I remember the struggle, should I put this up? To inspire others, yes. I shared very boldly about how I struggled with wanting to go back. I don't want to go back. Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> so right, right. I'm trying to keep it real but at the same time i also know that's going to put a positive light on you because you did a nice thing for somebody else that one's hard because you want to share the love of jesus with people social media has given us an opportunity to do that here is one of the ways you can we by all, helping people we have platforms you know so we'll always have platforms I, you just kind of have to gauge that and and like you said you know, just pray that the, the person's heart is in the right place. Pray for them if you feel compelled to. Oh, I wonder if they did that for the right reasons. Well, Lord, instead of wondering and judging, I'm going to pray for that person. Mm. And Lord be with all of us when we are in those positions of platform. Should we or shouldn't we post, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, ultimately, we want it to be for the glory of God. Because certainly, my cozy self wants to just go lock myself up in the house and worry about my own needs Sure. And not worry about the lady under the bridge. Sure. Yeah. Uh, that's and, a good point. But anyway. Um, one thing I think this is a great discussion. One thing that we um, wanted to get to this week is we had an interesting discussion. Um, I'll just summarize it very quickly. I was at church and there was a uh, pastor speaking on the story of uh, Joseph. Uh, Joseph from the Old Testament from, you know, the, his brother sold him into slavery. It's a, the, you know, 
middle of Genesis, towards the end of Genesis. I, I'm and, sorry, I'm not familiar. <laughs> are you? Oh, the, the he had a Technicolor dream coat. Are you familiar with the musical? Um, I'm sorry. It just there's so many Josephs. I, I got lose track. I know there are a lot of Josephs, <laughs> and so this is uh, his, his brother sold him to slavery because they couldn't stand him because he was the favorite. And then you know his story in Egypt where he he, he becomes uh, really important in a I believe a general's home is what Potiphar was and Potiphar's wife. Uh, when Potiphar is gone, uh, tries to get Joseph to sleep with her, and he refuses. He stands his ground. He's like, no, I'm not going to dishonor, you know. And then she uh, actually says that he tried to attack her. So Potiphar throws Joseph in jail. Joseph's in jail. He interprets some dreams. He finally gets out. Then he's in charge. Uh, I mean, besides Pharaoh, he's, like, in charge of Egypt. And so that's just the summary. And when he's in jail, mm-hmm. um, there are two guys that come to jail with him. He's been in jail for some time. And one is the baker and one is the cupbearer for Pharaoh. And they have been both been thrown in jail and they both have crazy dreams one night. And they ask Joseph, or they just wonder if anybody can interpret. And Joseph asks, and he says, that this is God's business, interpreting dreams, but let me, you know, let, uh, I God's with me, basically. So he can, <laughs> I always think this is a little comical. Um, one guy says, um, y- you know, whatever the dream, I can't recall what the dreams exactly were, but it's okay. one yeah. guy says uh, his dream and, and Joseph goes, oh, well, you're going to be restored to your position mm. and, and where you were. And yeah, it's going to be just, just like it was. And then the other guy goes, it was the baker is the baker that says, <laughs> um, Joseph, here's my dream. Uh, what of that? And Joseph, I could just imagine like sitting there going, you're going to be impaled yeah. by a large pole. Um, yeah. Uh, and that happened. Obviously, both of those happened. And he says to the cupbearer, remember me when you talk to Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. And the cupbearer forgets him for like two years mm-hmm. until Pharaoh has a dream. And then then, then the rest is history. Uh, but it was interesting. The speaker talked about this story mm-hmm. and how we should not be a self-made person, but a God-made person. Okay. That God is is writing our story, essentially, and, and God anything that we have good, God is responsible for. And it's, yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely. What did that it's have to do with Joseph? Well, uh, the whole series is on Joseph, but at this particular part, he says, you see, this is where Joseph messed up. Mm. Joseph had a selfish motive. And told the cupbearer, remember me. And I, what? well, that's what I said. And I I remembered right then about verses that even Jesus said in the New Testament about being as shrewd or as wise as serpents, but as innocent as doves. And coming up with not deceitful, but creative ways to make sure that the gospel is shared. He was talking to his disciples. Jesus was with that. And I'm sitting here going... I think that was a shrewd thing, a wise thing. What, what, in what Joseph way did, did you think he was selfish? Well, because he spoke out of turn. Instead of waiting for God to open the prison doors, that Joseph was like, hey, by the way, I, 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 I uh, don't forget me. You know, Joseph, the guy that did the dream. Well, that's one way to interpret the story. And that's why I wanted to bring it up. Because um, <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever gotten that ever. And After I've never, it. I'd never heard that. Okay. And, and I think what we just have to be cautious of, and I think, I think for a lot of people, Sundays might be the day that you got to be cautious of. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and and anytime ourselves that we read, mm-hmm. we can look at scripture, and we can say what it is. And certainly there are obvious things, especially that correlate with other truths. You know, you get a truth from the Old Testament that Jesus backed it up with what he said. Well, then you know what the meaning of those scriptures are, Mm -hmm. and you can speak with a lot of confidence. This is not only what it says, this is what it means. Mm -hmm. Um, But then there are some things, I'll bring another one up here in a second that I've had conversations with friends with a lot about, that you look at it and you instantly could... It, it may be even some things tough to decipher and you share your opinion on it or okay. a pastor shares his opinion on it. Yeah. And somebody in the church might walk out of there going, did you know this? That's what that means. And they just take it as, as truth as opposed to this is my opinion. Yes, okay. exactly. Yeah. And so I think that's the thing that I just want to say this week because I've often, I mean, heck, I've heard speakers talk on one thing and go, oh, I never knew that's what that meant. Mm. And then you, two, three years later, a different pastor says, 
a reverse opinion about that. Sure. And you go, oh, I always thought it meant this. Well, it's because both of them are potentially speaking with opinion. Yeah. And and not that there's anything wrong. I want to make or sure they to say got this. it off of Wikipedia. Uh, well, hopefully not Wikipedia, but something, right? I, well, I think, uh, yeah, to some extent, haven't we all been guilty of that? Remember the candy cane? Uh, there's the parable of the candy cane. And everybody's got this incredible theory as to why it's a candy cane shape. Oh, but nobody truly knows. No, you look it up online and they say everything that we, it's a lovely parable that someone has crafted regarding the candy cane. Interesting. But it's not, you've seen this, I've seen it in the Christian bookstore. Yeah. Here's the story of the candy cane, the candy maker. And it's not accurate, but it's a lovely story to go along with it. And so it's fine, absolutely fine to tell your children, look, if I turn it upside down, it looks like a J for Jesus. If I turn it this way, it looks like the crook in a shepherd's staff. Oh, okay. And the the blood is represented by the red stripe. and But that's not necessarily why the case. it was invented right so it's fun that we we've heard this even uh about the 12 days of christmas we're like by the way there were codes that were needed to be used in the early church and so the coding uh it doesn't really mean a partridge in a pear tree it means this and that is not that these are these are not based in factual things oh, by the way if you want some more of those uh they if i mean you may not want to do it at this time of the year depending on when you're listening but we did a whole uh, misconceptions of Christmas traditions. Yeah, that's true. We you did know, do some of quite that. a few podcasts ago. But it is fascinating because it sounds fantastic. And you would assume, I've heard this in church, that guy's done his homework. That's right. what it means. It's real. And then you find out later, oh. Well, and there are verses that you just, you're going to have to pick a side because there's a lot of people that might feel sure. this way on a verse and this and different way on a verse. And you're just going to have to pick or your own. But, but for myself, I'll say, I'm generally going to pick a side because I... Both sides are way more educated than I am, mm-hmm. usually. And um, and so with this, with anybody, I, I think it's great to share an opinion. Oh, yeah. It's just important to say it's an opinion. I think it's what, what, yeah, the word of God. How many times have you, I've said this, you go to scripture, you read a verse, and you got something different out of there today. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's because the Holy Spirit is like, hey, have you ever looked at it in this way? Now, contextually or even verbatim translation-wise, it may not stack up, but still God uses what came through that moment for you in Scripture to bless you in some way. Absolutely. But you always have to go back to the baseline of, okay, but I also want the contextual well, it's part like, here. It's know? like this. You're watching the news. And without saying the news network's names, but you're going to know news networks on one side or the other, mm. uh, liberal or conservative. Yeah. What the news networks should do for news, you know, and and, and they blur the lines on so much. Uh, What they should do is say such and such did this at this time. And here's the quote. And that's just what happened. And often you'll hear people that watched Walter Cronkite and, and different people of old. That's what they did. They were journalists and they were no opinion. They were just here's what happened today. Here's the news. And with 24-hour cable, depending on which channel you're at, well, did you know it's because of this? Well, did you know? And you see, and even certain words they'll use or they'll go from a news show at, you know, at 6.59, it's it's a news show ends and then an opinion show begins, but they don't, they don't say, by the way, this is an opinion show. And so that's what can happen with scripture. It, instead of just, here's what it says, along with, here's where it lines up with other scriptures and other prophecies and other, you know, um, we go off of one speaker or the other's bent or bias on it. Honestly, one of the reasons why we choose denominations is the way things are presented maybe as well. You know, you were mentioning, uh, let's just say at Fox News versus whatever. Right. So does that mean that they're not stating the facts or stating the news story? I think they that whether you're conservative or liberal, you're going to you choose the stories that support yeah. the siding, right? So if you are more comfortable in this church setting because they they there's more of a focus sure. on this side, you know, then you then that's what that is. The point is you gotta study to show yourself approved. And you gotta make sure, hey, I'm not just taking the influence or the positioning of somebody that I heard in church and applying it directly to 
what I think. It's interesting because yeah. this part of the Joseph story, you know, I was in the musical Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Is it completely biblically accurate? No. It's it's Broadway. It's it's fun. I loved being a part of it. And I think it can still lead people to check out what's in the Bible. But I do remember that moment where Joseph is in jail and it's very centric on his depressed place Mm -hmm. of being in prison. We know from from the word, I believe it was 13 years he was imprisoned. I think that's right. Maybe more. It was a really long period of time that he had to wait. Uh And and so but during that time, we do know that he had already learned from being cast down into this pit that his brothers had thrown him in. He had been humbled physically. Yeah. He had been humbled in many ways when he was then sold as a slave into Potiphar's house. He worked his way up from the bottom. God was with him in the midst of all of this. Yeah. But it was a very humbled, integritous position. I felt like he kept taking over and over again. Now, that doesn't necessarily just come instinctually. That's something that you process of time. It comes because you've you've learned it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which he clearly had to. He was... He was a little cocky when he was young. Uh, it, it does seem that way. It does. You know? It definitely seems that way. I had a way. dream that all you bowed down to me. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I don't know that there was a self, selfish motive when he said to the cupbearer, remember me. I think maybe he was just, here's this opportunity that God allotted him in being able to share God's interpretation of the dream and so maybe this is how the Lord is going to be glorified. Maybe I'm mm-hmm. going to come out through this way. Remember me. Aren't those the words of the thief on the cross that God honored that day? Remember yeah. me. Yeah. In I mean, paradise. To two completely different people. But I mean, that's a very good point. And I, I, I think I don't think it's selfish. I think it's, I mean. It's wise to me. To me. is, is And again, that's uh, my opinion. Right. So sure. don't take my. But I, I know that I've heard certainly verses on, on wisdom and shrewdness and common sense and understanding that um, there is a a balance between, for example, because I heard a sermon a few weeks later about shrewdness, and it's the difference in being um, having boundaries, and if people have hurt you, uh, holding them at at arm's length uh, in a wise way, yeah. but also the balance of understanding that God can change anyone. And to not be a cynical person on the other side of it, to not be uh, too open, but too cynical, understanding the sinfulness of man is real, but the power of God to change hearts is also real. I I think it'd be interesting to sit down and chat with this uh, speaker about, okay, so why do you feel this way about the subject matter? Um, It feels more like a small group. Sure type of a conversation as opposed to being taught from the pulpit. But I'm sure there was a reason why he did. Yeah. And and just to have a conversation with him, because just even like, you know, we've, we've been watching The Chosen in my house, and I love that they are putting flesh on the bones of these biblical heroes that we so revere as Christ followers. You know, we're, we're seeing Peter walk down in a certain way. Do we know that he was exactly like this guy? No, mm-hmm. not at mm-hmm. all. Do we know that Matthew, the tax collector, look like he's on the autism spectrum. My son has Asperger's. So immediately I was like, oh my word, they're playing Matthew as if he had this. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't say that in scripture at all. Right. But am I so glued to it has to look like this that I can't enjoy it for what it is? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Am I so sitting in a message listening to a pastor speak that I'm like, no, that was not indicated in scripture to me that I can't appreciate what he's trying to say. Yeah. Just test Study to show yourself approved. Go, Lord. Okay, so this is what this one gentleman said. I think that's why I we're at a new church, and we haven't even totally landed yet. We've moved in the middle of the pandemic and stuff, right? And so I, as I've matured and grown and understand Scripture more for myself, and still, I mean, for any of us, a long ways to go, but as I've understood some of these people, there are a couple people I follow that um, one is super— grace-based and then the other one's super Calvinistic. And if you know anything about that, it's, you know, predestination, God already chose, you know, God chose a select amount of people that will be saved and all this. And if you agree on the essentials that Jesus is the only way, then there's room to disagree. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I've learned this and admired this. And so I honestly, I told my wife afterwards, I was like, I kind of like that I didn't like that. <laughs> like, I think it's just healthy and okay. Uh, I think my point is just that I would like it stated that it's an opinion. But I, I, I like that there's some room to, to some wiggle room in there. If you're, you're, you're locking arms as brothers and sisters in Christ with whatever it might be, speaking in tongues or, I mean, anything else, uh, as long as we're arm in arm with the essentials that Jesus is the only way. In a way, maybe it should inspire us because it means that we're passionate. Yeah. We're passionate for the cause of Christ. Yeah. Uh, yes, we can be so passionate that we're passionately wrong. However, um, in those moments, it's not my job to fix other people if I feel like they're maybe wrong. I, I Maybe if I know them well enough, like we were talking earlier, sure. I've had smaller conversations with them. I built some for, sort of foundation for a relationship to talk with them about such things, then fine. Especially if I feel like they're going astray. Like, that is yeah. so off. Right. Yeah, it can get somewhere, sure. But at the same time, it's like, okay, but I'm not here to fix people. Jesus fixes people. Yeah. His spirit yeah. fixes people. My job is to introduce them to Jesus and his spirit. And then if they're interested in discipleship, which is a, it's a deeper learning of a person, uh, of a relationship with Jesus Christ, you know, that's, that's a different subject. But yeah. Wow, this was a really good conversation. I didn't get to talk about Ezekiel at all. Are we? We're already at thirty-six minutes. Where we need we at, to stop minutes? this. I can't talk about Ezekiel and laying on his side for almost, you know, like close to four hundred days. And- That's fascinating. Thank you for sharing that on today's <laughs> Anything But Quiet Time podcast. No, okay. Since uh, what, what, honestly, there's no time limit. I did want to share one more thing, and we could end with that. Oh. Or, or if, or we could tease Ezekiel for next week. Or you could. Oh. Who says it can't be an hour? By who all says? means, I think you should share one more thing. Thank and you. I don't get to say. Any of my devotional time. Yeah, you you have been you have had nothing to say on this podcast had, so far. I've like interjected so much. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> this is good. This is a good conversation. That's what it's all about. Uh, one example that I also wanted to share in the same thing of people feeling different ways. Yeah, I've been talking to people of a different faith, and with John three five, and it's I've looked it up a lot, and it is confusing. John chapter three. Do you know well? Of course, I, Carter probably does, but let me just tell you, this is one of my favorite chapters, okay. and there's a lot of opinion about it. Well, and and with the verse that I'm about to share, yes, there is. Well, because the, the, you know who the conversation is with. Nicodemus. Nicodemus is the guy who's the Pharisee mm-hmm. who is open to hearing what Jesus has to say, yep. and in the cover of night has this conversation with Jesus. This is where we get one of the most famous verses on the planet, John 3, 16, for mm-hmm. God to love the world that he gave his only son and whoever believes in him will never die. I mean, can you imagine hearing that from a young buck? Right. Because that Nicodemus was clearly older, uh, more perhaps considered more learned, more refined, more polished. Uh-huh. And is it in the cover of night because he was afraid of what other people would think? Or is it in the cover of night because he was concerned for Jesus's safety? I have never heard that. I've always heard the first one. M- yeah. That's interesting. Isn't that fascinating? So again, it's like we we don't know, but I love I, I I just I think it's a great chapter. It's a great chapter, so I'm glad you're pulling from it. Here's the verse. John 3 5. Jesus says, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. I'll, let me read a different translation. NIV. Uh, Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. ESV, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Okay. Who I'm talking to, my, my friend, believes baptism is required to get to heaven. Oh, okay. This verse, I'm like, no, it has to do with you're born naturally, you know, like in your, the, the uh, what's the uh, ambiotic fluid. You're born naturally. <laughs> yes. And then the water and then the and then the spirit. That's when you believe in Jesus. And to my, I don't know if this may is the right word, but I've looked up that that's actually not a very popular theory, that a natural birth is that. So you're left with water and the spirit and you can't enter the kingdom of God. What in God's green earth does that mean? Ooh, do I get to answer this or try? Well, you you can try and I'll tell you, I'll tell you one, one take on it I have in a second. Go ahead. Well, what do you I think? Well, I mean, the verses around this, I think are kind of pivotal to the understanding because even Nicodemus was confused, right? Uh-huh. He's uh-huh. like, wait, get back into my mom. How do I do what? Right, right. <laughs> so yeah, it, all throughout scripture, 
water is heavily symbolic. Mm-hmm. We know that it's essential for our life to keep going. We have to have water. Jesus presents himself as living water to the woman at the well. If you drink of this water, you will never thirst again. Not because she's drinking from any sort of well product, but she is drinking from now what's eternal. It's from Jesus. What I have to offer is water. It's life. And even like during the communion time where he points to what most people would eat at meals, like meat was a, it was like a, a dessert, a treat kind of thing. Like that, you didn't eat meat at every meal. So for the, the main staple of people's food was bread. So Jesus also compares himself in the moment at the communion table with the last supper. Like I'm the bread of life. So now I'm going to be your life source. So I think it all kind of goes back to that place of, you know, you're going to be born from this place, which is a, it's more spiritual to me mm-hmm. than a literal sense of being born again. So, uh, I think, I don't know. Which is what John the Baptist was doing. Right. Jesus symbolically was baptized by John the Baptist. Right. To well, present. And this, this faith points out to, we need to follow Jesus' example. He had to get baptized. Okay. If he does, then we do. And, well, and is there so, a problem with getting baptized? But they're saying it's hinged on it's whether or not. Getting to heaven okay. is hinged on this. And that's what's not scriptural. So because, people on the cross, the guy we just brought up earlier, he died uh, without getting baptized. Well, let's see. I'm going to give it away probably. I just don't want to call out anybody if you feel uncomfortable, uh, but this will, may make it obvious. Maybe not. They believe that there is spirit have a spirit uh, prison and spirit paradise and that somebody uh, in the future was able to here on earth get baptized in honor of the thief on the cross or of any person that has not got baptized on earth and that they would have a second chance, but they must follow that in spirit prison to be able to, after the resurrection, get to the proper heaven for eternity with God. Now, is God flesh and bone in this particular? Is it a cult? Is it a faith? What What are we talking about here? Well, that's an interesting question. God is flesh and bone in this belief system. Okay, so he's not a spirit being. Cult is such an ugly word. But it, it's definitely connected to things like Jim Jones and stuff. Yeah. yeah and okay. it's not anything obviously like that. I mean, would you consider everything to be a cult? That's not. Uh, I, I think some people think Christians based? are involved in cult. Um, <laughs> we can act like it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Y'all come on down to Fellowship Hall. We got the potluck. Wait, what? What do you guys do? <laughs> you know, it's it's just a, I think it comes down to spiritual versus it has to be tactical flesh. It has to be something I, I can touch. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. because Jesus took on flesh and bone and even took it back to heaven when he ascended into heaven, it's one part of the, of the Trinity, mm-hmm. but the father, he would always point back to the father. The father's is spirit. Yeah. That's John four twenty four, I think. So if that's the case, then things done in the spirit also matter to God. So when you have a spiritual awakening in your world and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the son of God and that through his death on the cross, I am now dying to what was old. I am made new through his resurrection by what he did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it is what he did was symbolism as well as yes, physical effort. That was a very physical thing that took place on the cross, but it is meant to be a part of something so much bigger. That does not mean that I am physically per se going to die to myself. No, I am now spiritually going to be renewed in a way that brings honor and glory to the risen savior, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so for someone else to represent me here or the need for them to represent me in their own flesh on this planet because I've already passed on and I didn't get baptized or something. It tells me that there is a, there is a need in this group of people for it to be all of these things. It has to be not just spiritual. It has to be literal in some ways. There are, um, there is faith and there are, uh, obedience promises and covenants to God in this particular, uh, religion or denomination or whatever you'd want to call it. Um, and 
That's exactly right, that our heart is what's changed because of a spiritual awakening. I like that phrase. When you believe and you instantly know that whatever sparked it or if it's just been a long time or whatever it is, that you realize you're a sinner and that you need a savior, then that, um, you know, it's an act of repentance. To me, I've heard faith and repentance are the two sides of the same coin, mm. that you, you're you not going to, let's say somebody's an alcoholic and, and has, you know, it's a, it's an idol, it's, it's super unhealthy, and let's say you believe in Jesus truly, like mm-hmm. you truly you have faith that Jesus is the only way to heaven and that you want to be a part of that you might still go struggle with alcohol that night. Mm, uh, that mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you've just instantly been able to clean up all of your act. Uh, but at the same time, there's going to be a change and you realize it's wrong. And so mm. you you move forward. And and I think repentance is kind of that ongoing process, but faith is that instant thing. Mm. Um, but as for the physical acts like uh, baptism or this particular Faith also believes in getting uh, sealed in the temple, uh, mar- marriage, sorry, that's not clear. Uh, when you, you get married, uh, you have a ceremony in the temple and you are sealed for eternity and you're married for eternity. Okay. And so there's obviously some some beliefs that we could disagree on, but I think the baptism one is, is one that um, people would say is essential. Okay. Because you're going to lock arms, we talked about that earlier, you're going to lock arms with you know, Baptist, Presbyterians, Methodists, like whatever. We, If we believe that Jesus is the only way, sure. we might have some room to disagree about speaking in tongues or, or whatever it is. Uh, but you're not going to lock arms in that same sense with somebody that follows Islam or Hinduism or Buddhism because Jesus is not the the only way or even the way at all, according to those other religions. Yeah. And so at a certain point, even if it's a Christian-based uh, faith or sect or offshoot or whatever you want to call it, there are some essentials th- where arms can't be locked together in the same way mm. because if it's adding to the gospel yeah. to say you don't get to heaven without baptism, then that's a problem. Yeah, yeah. And that's just what the belief is. Because you bring up a fair point. Um, there are other passages in Scripture that don't lend to that school of thought. Well, and that was my point of bringing up that verse, right? Is that we could sit here and look at that verse and talk about our opinions or our beliefs of that verse, uh, but there's only I can only think of one other verse that makes baptism confusing. the The rest of them are all in line with baptism is an act of obedience after salvation. Like Peter. Peter in Acts ten with the guy Cornelius and his friends and family. Peter preaches the gospel. It says the Holy Spirit falls on them after they believed. Mm, After. After they believed, the Holy Spirit falls on them. If you have the Holy Spirit, you're good. Yeah. (laughs) You're going to heaven. (laughs) And then Peter says, let's get some water and get these folks baptized. As a symbol, as an act of obedience. As an act of obedience. I kind of did uh, my own message version there. Let's get these folks baptized. Come on. I like that. Before we have the potluck. (laughs) Um, But uh, that is an indicator along with many other verses. You can't just take, I think you got to take a step back, right? Mm. You got to take a step back sometimes when you're confused by verses or a pastor shares his opinion on the verse or or you have your opinion on the verse or a different faith has an opinion on the verse. You got to step back and look at the totality of yeah. scripture. You can't. It's a package deal. It's meant to be read cover to cover. Mm. And let's be honest. How many of us have done that? It's, I know there are parts I haven't read. It's a feat. Yeah. It's not easy. There are parts, you know, the other day I had an honest conversation with the Lord. I'm like, Lord, I'm really tired of reading this. Feels like the same thing over and over again. He's like, well, you're tired of reading it. It was it was just the cyclical pattern of yeah. his kids not listening and uh-huh. obeying. Like, like, oh, okay. well, we're still get out a mirror too, because you need mercy made new every morning. Burn. So actually, it's great burn. Yeah, it's a package deal. You think about if I went into a movie theater and I was shown one scene of a movie, I would not have the entire movie. <laughs> Could you imagine what's a movie about? Uh, well, a guy and his wife had a really great conversation. Wasn't that the movie about the exploding volcano? I only saw the one part. I only saw the one part. <laughs> They were really working hard on that relationship. Right, right. No, they were running for their lives. (laughs) From beginning to end is how we're meant to read it. Mm. And symbolism throughout, the context helps us understand, which honestly, it shouldn't be daunting. It should help us go, oh, thank goodness. Now I know. Right. Because that made no sense before. Like, what? Yeah, that's true. That's very true. So now it makes sense. Why is water such a big deal? Well, because of, and you can look back and 
point people along the way and say, this is why. Because, of course, people are going to look at you a bit buggy-eyed, cross-eyed, whatever, if you start telling them the things that you believe without any layering of the foundation, laying of the foundation, I should say. (laughs) Because they're like, and why? Is this a thing? Yeah. Oh, well, let me let me start at the beginning. Now, That's given, a good point. Given the condensed version. Well, but, and, and I realized that somebody shared with me, it's a it's a smart thing to remember mm-hmm. that any study Bible you read, any online, what they call commentary, yeah. is commentary. And generally, in a lot of verses, it's going to be pretty simple. You know, mm-hmm. Jesus says, I'm the only way to the Father, and that's been shared multiple times in the prophecy of, you know, who Jesus was going to be and that he was the Savior. I mean, there's some things that just 100% like the Bible says it over and over and over, and it's clear, and there's only one commentary that could happen. But some, some of these verses, you could look up John 3, 5 right now, and you could get three or four different commentaries. Uh, maybe even within the Christian faith, you'd get three or four commentaries. Yeah. I mean, even I think what we're sharing is a commentary. Doing word searches are fascinating. I mean, it may take you 16 zillion years if you put in the word water Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in some sort of a Bible search engine because there's a lot of verses about water or trees. Right, yeah. But, you know, it might be worth it an afternoon going, I really want to know. This has always been confusing to me. Mm-hmm. Whatever mm-hmm. it might be. It may be something else that has stumped you in the service or it just didn't set right with you, especially in today's culture. It is a very self-motivated world that we live in. It's all about me. But ironically, it's always been that way since the fall of man when Adam and Eve chose themselves. Yeah. And they ruined it. Yeah. For the rest of us. Listen, if it wasn't them, it would have been someone down the line. You know, Kane was really, he was right there. <laughs> well, if we would have made it to me, I wouldn't have. Of course not. Carter, stripping with sarcasm. You got some on me over here. <laughs> All right. Thank you for that. That turned into, that was a wonderful conversation. Yes. Uh, are you going to share Ezekiel or no, are you going I to tease? There's no time for Ezekiel, but I will thank you, know, the, the next time we speak. Okay. What God asked Ezekiel to do for almost 400 days and it involved a very smelly situation and bread. Is that how we get Ezekiel bread nowadays? No, that would be illegal nowadays, like what they did. The like FDA what God would ban it. Asked him to do. Okay. All right. Well, that's next week, the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. 